will fix you. Hello and welcome to We Will Fix You, the second podcast to have originally started as a sexual rehabilitation program for impotent puffins. The first one didn't go so well. Anyway, if you require rehabilitation or general fixing, not necessarily genital, you can contact us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com or anonymously at our new home at hauntedphonograph.com. Now, joining me today, Mr. Dave Comfrey, who is bringing the noise, but so far obstinately refusing to bring the funk. I just don't care for it. I, as ever, am Roger Hart, allergic to nuns. And joining us also, Mr. Jebediah Thrummer, Vice President of Flouncing. Our question. I have a colleague who was a good friend, non-co-located, but we speak on the phone. We were going through some of the same issues at the company, and we would chat and sympathise with each other. In the past few months, both of our situations have changed. She is changing teams, which has taken the pressure off, and I have worked on improving the relationship with my manager, and now we're in a good place. I did not realise, though, how much this colleague loved gossip, and through gossip, drama. She has started telling me how concerned she is about my situation. I responded that she shouldn't worry about it. Things were getting better and it was fine. She then proceeded to tell other people we both work with that she feels sorry for me because she hates my manager and thinks she doesn't appreciate me. Which is excruciating. I have shut down this avenue of conversation when I am part of it, mostly because it's bullshit, but also because I'm not comfortable with that level of openness. Recently, she told me that she had a conversation with her manager that resulted in them telling her I was going to get a poor review. This is unlikely for a few reasons. One, because it would be wildly inappropriate to talk about my review, and we work in a company that likes rules. Two, I doubt they know what's in my review, and my manager has made no indication that they're unhappy with my work. She'd like to finish off these bits of news with... It's so unfair they don't think you're very good. I think you're great. I think I'm being manipulated, but it's some next-level shit that I'm not equipped to deal with, especially from someone who knows much more about me than I'd like. I've asked her to back off from her concern multiple times, but to no avail. Please help. Hmm. Our questioner says they feel they may be manipulated, and that's plausible, but uh, to what avail? Blackmail? Probably quite low stakes. Self-aggrandizement? I mean, likely they could just be a needy bellend. But it sounds to me like trying to foster dependency. Telling you people are talking about you, that they think you're inadequate but don't tell you, that only she appreciates you, these are kind of the hallmarks or some of them of a controlling relationship. That kind of claim to have privileged information and to place you at the centre of victimisation that only she can see through. Again, it's controlling. It privileges her reality over your experience and makes her the only 
person you can trust. It cuts you off from your colleagues and cuts you off from your trust and your support structures, in this case, either those colleagues or your manager. And it just, it just sounds like a kind of controlling, emotionally manipulative relationship. One of those sort of undermining dependency building fuck shows. But a bit rubbish, like it sounds like she's also not very good at it, and that might give you a little bit of space to breathe. Breaking out of learned and especially enforced dependency is hard. But there's this whole troop of professionals that you can you can go to go to for help, an entire profession that you can turn to in these kind of difficult circumstances. Um, and they, they of course are zookeepers. So what I think you need to do is to prepare yourself for being released into captivity and back into the wild. Dependency on humans is a major concern for captive animals, especially hand-reared orphans, and there are several techniques that are kind of available. I mean, for starters, keepers and carers may choose to cut down human contact and try and provide as realistic an environment as possible um, to minimise disruption and attachment. Like seals might be provided with plenty of cold water. Chicks are quite often costume reared, which you know, sort of dressing up in hand puppets and shit, especially if they're in isolation. Dummies and props and things that prevent overmuch imprinting. It's all about keeping up a facade of their appropriate world in the face of encroaching human dependency. So that, that's where to start. Um, basically, keeping your world very you and very not associated with them. And this could be as little as doing something you enjoy before or after interacting with them, or uh, managing their encro encroachment. Maybe you can scaffold your interactions with them by only doing it in a super professional context or with others around. Or maybe, you know, you just need to take a dirt bath in the middle of the office after they call, um, shaking the surrounding cubicles with your mighty but satiated roar. You know, basic self-care things, really. And then there's release preparation. This is this is kind of the other side of it. You, you want to do things to manage your behaviours and their behaviours to prevent needless attachment, remind yourself of who you are, what your natural habitat is. But release preparation is, is where you're going to do the work here. Now, according to Wild Mammals in Captivity Principles and Techniques, a thing I read some extract on on a website that was mostly about rearing cranes, because it was really interesting and I'm quite lazy, there are a number of forms of pre-release training. But um, some of the most useful here include human avoidance conditioning, which I think we can all get behind, and anti-predator training, which again sounds pretty pertinent in this context. And I think that's not really just sort of the advice I tried to give myself when I was 13 on the internet. For animals, particularly costume-reared cranes, again, very lazy, one website, human avoidance um, involves a blend of exposure and mock attacks. Anti-predator training is kind of similar, but it doesn't sound as cool. Um, that involves a lot of controlled exposure, for example, um, tame dogs or playing noises of aerial predators and creating a bit of an environment of safely managed perception of threat to give a little bit of predator exposure. Now, you're, you're probably more complicated than a greater sandhill crane, so it'll take more exposure than like some YouTube videos of angry dogs. Instead, I think you're going to need to simulate exposure to your tormentor as a predatory, aversive, and, and crucially, immersively theatrical experience. You're going, in fact, to build an old-timey fairground haunted house out of office supplies and with the assistance of your colleagues. Now, um, this is this is this may not be easy. They may not necessarily get on board. But if they also think this person is a valent, or if they've succeeded in making you seem kind of needy, you might have some ammunition here. Otherwise, you're going to have to get creative with the stationery cupboard. Like, 
you're going to have to sort of rig things to fall from the ceiling based on suspension on elastic bands at times that surprise you, or get your colleagues to wear paper masks of your tormentor and kind of jump out at you, or um, get, a, get a distorted version of their voice and feed it into the phone system. A lot of office phone systems will actually have the ability to act as a broadcast system especially the network phones, get a sort of horrifying distorted version of their voice randomly echoing from the speakers and get the lights flickering and, you know, get your office manager to carve your colleague's email signature into their face with a compass and then run at you with the fire axe. Just sort of little, little basic things that you can do to just create some ambient jump scares and really make the experience of this person aversive, kind of expose yourself to them in a, in a sort of fear and predatory preparation context. And once you've done that, I think you'll be able to sort of self-manage a little bit and release yourself back into the wild. Mr. Convery, what do you have for us today? So I think I think you, you've hit on something there with the idea of um, constructing a, a fictional environment, but I don't really think you've gone far enough because what you're doing here is that you're you're playing five-dimensional chess with a with a master. But all the pieces are made of bullshit and the board is made of bullshit and there's not even a hologram of Stephen Hawking to make the whole thing more fun. So you're never going to beat them at their own game. They've been playing this for far too long. So you need help. You need a sort of democratization of the drama or a kind of shit-stirring socialism, if you will. So we need to find a way to spread the burden of this person's lust for drama and bullshit uh, across as many of your colleagues as as possible. Um, now you could do this solely without their knowledge, just spreading rumors, setting traps, that sort of thing. But I, I think that that is fundamentally an unkind thing to do. I think you should want them involved and I think you should want them eager. So have you ever heard of kayfabe? Kayfabe is a wrestling term which basically means Everyone is protecting and, and, and pretending that the storylines that are going on as part of the wrestling are true. No one ever breaks kayfabe. No one ever says, well, actually, we're just making this up. And this was more true back in the day than it is now. But but it's a thing. The storylines are sacrosanct and you don't break them. And you need kayfabe with your, empl- with, with, with your co-workers. Uh, you need basically to start fights with them to start really low-level drama but spread it out and if she gets more interested in one storyline or another then you really play that one up you go for the crowd pleasers you know if if she's really into one thing or another then that's what goes to wrestlemania as as it were in this case and and the wrestling really gives you a good basis to go on because there's you can probably lift whole storylines around fake pregnancies uh marriages running people over with tractors that sort of thing you can steal stuff from telenovelas or comic books or that show where people buy shit from abandoned storage units the really juicy stuff the stuff that real life and pure drama is made of and 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 if she's getting bored of one person the eye of sauron is turning away from whatever particular drama heel turn, face turn. You can just have them completely flip character. As long as no one ever breaks kayfabe, then it's all absolutely fine. People will buy it. You can probably make a fortune selling t-shirts. Delicious and innovative. And what do you have for us, 
Mr. Thrummer. Okay, well, it's a tough truth, but everyone talks behind everyone's back. That's just the way the world is. And I'm always talking behind people's back. But by this point, everyone I know is so boring and sensible and middle-aged that I've taken to making stuff up about them. You know, the odd secret coke habit here, tiny rumour of murder and bestiality there. It's not pleasant or something I like about myself, but it does mean that I don't get stuck talking about house prices or baby formula at dinner parties and thus never have to face up to what is fundamentally the grim reality of my life. It sounds as though your friend has a similarly fluid relationship with the truth and um, while I can't be certain, it sounds as though she's suffering from the same lack of excitement that motivates me to tell people that I've recently heard, I don't know, a mutual friend had to go to A&E to have a small statue of Mussolini removed from her urethra. Um, So I think similarly to Dave, I think we've got a situation where we need to find this woman a source of excitement uh, to gossip about, and it needs to be a source of excitement outside of work. What I suggest you do is that you fake a convoluted assassination plot by Russian security forces. Uh, It's topical, it's currently strangely plausible, and most importantly, I think it's terrifying enough that she's unlikely to have the mental energy to invent more stories about your alleged relationship with your boss or whatever else is going on in your corporate hellhole of a job location. So the goal here is to convince her that Russian security forces have mistaken her for another woman with exactly the same name. So what you're going to need to do to start with is Google her name to see if there's someone out there with either the same name or at least a very similar name that could be plausibly mixed up. Um, For the purposes of this example, let's say that your friend has quite a common name like, uh, I know, Fanny Spreader. So you Google Fanny Spreader and discover that there's someone living in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, rejoicing in the exact same name. You then stalk the other Fanny Spreader over the internet for a while. You read a Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, LiveJournal, MySpace. I don't even know what, what the cool kids are using these days. Uh, But you you amass information about her. And then once you've done your research, you can move on to step two, where you start uh, really weaving a tale of deception. Uh, Start small. Send her an anonymous letter telling her uh, that her cover story has been blown and they, with capital letters, know that she's moved to Bogner Regis or wherever. Um make a few ambiguous references to some kind of former existence in truth or consequences, nothing overt, but, you know, something that might make sense later once she realises what's going on. So you're kind of doing, like, you know, foreshadowing here. From there, it's all about creating an escalating sense of threat. Um, The anonymous benefactor can start adding in increasingly panicked references to Russian security forces, hint darkly... Uh, about a woman named Natasha who was behind a nasty bit of business in Leighton Buzzard. 
um, suggests that a man named Sergei can get her a gun to protect herself. Um, and you need to make increasingly obvious that, that, that this person in New Mexico is the actual real target and there's been some kind of, you know, hilarious uh, mix-up such as might be the plot of a, a, a comedy film involving Adam Sandler. Then you're going to really ratchet it up, start hanging around outside a house in a trench coat smoking. If you don't smoke yet, then I'm afraid you're going to have to start because all Russian assassins smoke. Um, try and arrange it so that she spots you writing in a notebook or talking into a cheap disposable mobile phone. By now, she should be paranoid as all fuck. Now, this is the point at which you need to smear Vic's Vaporub on the handle of her door. You can take this charade as far as you like. Personally, I recommend stopping short of actually murdering her and making it look like the Russians did it. But, you know, you're a free-acting moral agent in the world. How far you take it is really up to you. The key thing is to make whatever's going on more exciting than whatever work troubles are going on. So, obviously, if there's some kind of hostile takeover or layoffs or any of that kind of malarkey, you're probably going to have to actually murder her. Uh, just to keep things at an appropriate level of excitement. I would suggest trying very, very hard not to get caught, as some of the things I'm suggesting might be considered crimes by the sort of petty jobsworths that are attracted to a career in law enforcement. And obviously all advice given is very much at your own risk and for entertainment purposes only. An Adam Sandler movie. Very cruel. Very cruel. And with that very specific and tender cruelty, we leave you scampering off into the night, where you can find us hiding behind the bins out the back of the big Tesco, waiting to jump out at you with fixing. <laughs>